Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. Let's hold them up and let's say this like we do every Sunday. Ready? Read. This is my Bible. It is God's word written to me. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. So I receive it as truth for my life today and open my heart to hear God speak a word that will change my life forever. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, if you're a fast flipper, you can hold your Bible open to First Peter chapter 5. This, the words will be on the screen. And then Acts chapter 13. But let me start with this truth. You can't defeat the demons you enjoy playing with. That's a truth. Come on, can I get an amen? You can't defeat them if you enjoy playing with them. Demons are real. Demons are in the Bible. And we mentioned this last week. We started a series last week that we're simply calling Finding Freedom. The moment you said yes to Jesus in the Spirit, you were declared free. I was declared free. And one of the famous quotes from the Scripture is, you shall know the truth, come on, and the truth shall make you or set you free, right? A lot of us have heard that. It's a popular term. It's not always used in a Bible kind of a context, but it comes straight from the heart and the lips of Jesus. Um, These are words that he used in a conversation that he was having with some people who said that they believed in him. And I don't have any time today to go into that further, but I just want to challenge you to go back and catch last Sunday's sermon. I've been stretching myself as much as it is uncomfortable for me and as much as I don't really enjoy doing it. I feel like it's necessary in today's day and age. So I'm going downstairs after I'm done here and I'm going to kind of give a recap of the sermon. I'm putting it on my Facebook feed so that if people aren't here, they can go and watch that. Over 240 views from last Sunday. So some people are watching it somewhere. And so I just want to encourage you, if it touches your heart, if you think it's something that somebody can use, share it. Not because I'm a great teacher. I don't think I am. I'm learning so much. I don't know very much. But, but if God can use a donkey in the Old Testament, I'm confident God can use me and he can use us. Now, when Jesus said free, I want for you to understand contextually what he was referring to And what that word really emphasizes. He was talking about the freedom that comes to believers in Christ. Freedom from the kingdom of darkness. And freedom from bondage. Freedom from the bondage of sin. Freedom from being enslaved to sin. This is the context in which Jesus sent that. Uh, And I want you to know that. It wasn't just, you know, um, if you really come to grips with the facts. If you really just kind of. Uh, allow this truth, whatever it is, to really penetrate your heart and your life. It's going to lighten the load a little bit, and you'll be able to keep going forward. Ah, that might have some truth to it, but he was really, really talking about being free 
from the bondage of sin. So you'll have to look at that on your own time. John chapter 8, verses 31 through 36. Today, let's look at 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. And I'm going to read from the Amplified Classic version today because I just like the way it helps us out. It helps me out so much to understand what he's saying. So the Apostle Peter, he's writing and he says, Be well balanced, temperate, sober of mind. Be clear in your thinking. Be vigilant. That means watchful. And cautious. Somebody say cautious. So he says, be cautious at all times for that enemy of yours. Some other versions say adversary. That enemy of yours, the devil, roams around like a lion roaring in fierce hunger, seeking someone to seize upon and devour. Now, we've read this verse before. You've seen this verse before. I don't think it's brand new information, but I want us to pay close attention to what he's saying here. Every single one of us in the kingdom of God have an adversary, an enemy, and it is the devil. There is only one devil, but there are many demons. And when the Bible speaks of the kingdom of darkness or the work of the devil, it doesn't necessarily mean that he's the one personally initiating everything, but he's the leader. And he's got demons that go about doing his work all over the earth and in people's lives and affairs. This word devil, it's an interesting Greek word, diabolos. How many of you ever heard that word, diabolos? D-I-A-B-O-L-O-S. And I just want to mention that because it comes from the word diabolos, comes from the word to throw repeatedly with the objective of breaking through something, of penetrating. So the word balo means to cast or to throw, and dia means to penetrate or to break through something. And so it really describes who he is, and kind of his mode of action. So the devil, he constantly is throwing accusations and lies and fiery darts and harassment and all kinds of different things at the people of God. And his objective is to penetrate or to break through the defenses, to break through your shield of faith and so that he can wreak havoc in your life and so that he can take you out ultimately. That's his objective. Again, one devil, many demons. Doesn't mean he's the one personally do it. He came to personally uh, tempt Jesus, but that doesn't mean he's the one involved in the Christian lives. It's his demons that are at work. So the title of today's message is Beware of Demons. Beware of Demons. The word beware means to be cautious and alert to the dangers of something, right? And in 1 Peter, he says, be vigilant and cautious at all times. So when we say beware of demons, it means that we have to be alert and we have to be cautious and we have to be aware of the dangers of demons. Now, I want to go to Acts chapter 13 to give us a little bit more of a head start. Acts chapter 13 and verse 40 and 41, the apostle Paul just finished preaching a sermon in this context And he pointed to Jesus 
as the long-awaited Savior for the Jewish people. Then he gives the people an opportunity to turn to Jesus and believe on Jesus. And he tells them that if they do, they would be forgiven and they would be saved by the grace of God, not the works of man. But if they didn't, he says this, Acts 13, 40 and 41. Beware, therefore, lest what has been spoken in the prophets come upon you. Behold, you despisers, marvel and perish, for I work a work in your days, a work which you will by no means believe, though one were to declare it to you. So he's preaching, and then he pauses, and he says, Beware, therefore, because if you're not aware and you're not cautious, what was spoken by the prophets, he's referring to something in Habakkuk. And we're going to go to Habakkuk. If you're a fast flipper, uh, it's over there where the pages are all stuck together that we hardly ever go to. Habakkuk chapter 1. And we're going to look at that because he quotes Habakkuk chapter 1 when he's preaching this message. Habakkuk 1, 5 and 6, he says, this is God. He's, he's responding to Habakkuk's outcry. He says, look among the nations and watch. Be utterly astounded. Listen, for I will work a work in your days which you would not believe though it were told you. For indeed, I am raising up the Chaldeans, a bitter and hasty nation which marches through the breadth of the earth to possess dwelling places that are not theirs. If you have a pen or a highlighter, you might want to underlight or circle or highlight that last phrase. To possess dwelling places that are not theirs. Now, uh, the Chaldeans were an Old Testament enemy of God. And the way they came against God's people are characteristic of the way demons come against God's people today. They attempt to possess or gain control or mastery over territories, or we could say people, that don't belong to them. In the Old Testament times, listen, when God's people reject God and reject God's ways and reject God's truth, whether they want to or not, they become exposed to the enemies of God. And they would become exposed to the evil that's in the enemies of God. And God wants us as his people to be aware of demons and how they operate so that we would avoid them and be more inclined to embrace his truth and his freedom that's found in Jesus. So the Chaldeans are not demons but the way that they operated were characteristic of demons. And so I want to just give us a lesson real quickly. Uh, three reasons that we need to be aware of demons. There's probably more, but I just want to highlight on three of them today. Number one, it's in your notes. Demons are thieves. That's the first thing we need to be aware of. Demons are thieves. What's a thief? A thief is one who steals another's property. Fair enough? Easy to understand and agree on that? Notice verse 6 again in Habakkuk chapter 1. It says that these Chaldeans marched through the earth. 
Remember what 1 Peter 5 said? Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, he he roams through the earth. He goes about looking for someone to devour like a lion. So verse 6 here in Habakkuk 1, they march through the earth. Why? To possess dwelling places that are not theirs. The word possess means to have as belonging to oneself. So they're taking things, they're taking territory that doesn't belong to them. you got to understand, Satan is a thief. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's his objective. That's what he's after. But you have to remember, Satan's not omnipresent. He's not everywhere at the same time personally, but his work is, and his demons are. They're all over the place trying to take God's people out. What do you think demons want to steal? Let me just give you a couple of thoughts, a couple of ideas. I think they're scriptural. I think the very first thing demons want to steal is the word of God. The promises of God. As a matter of fact, in Mark chapter 4, verse 15, it says, When God's promise is heard or delivered, Satan comes immediately to take away the word that was sown into people's hearts. So the very first thing is he wants you to keep you from hearing the message of Christ and becoming saved. Then after you get saved, he wants to keep you from growing in the word and deepening your roots in the word. He's going to keep you from spending time in the word, keep you from reading the word. He'll have you shallow out and think that a little devotion from Facebook is enough to give you the strength and the spiritual backbone you need. It's not. He wants to take the word from people. Another thing, let me just be honest. He, he wants to take your kids. Parents, if you've got kids, grandparents, he wants to take your kids. Shocking statistic, shocking reality. A child's worldview is formulated by 12 or 13 years old. That's it. Whatever they're in, whatever's in their mind, whatever their worldview is already by 12 or 13, doctors agree. That's already been formulated in their heart and in their mind and in their teen years and their early adult years. They're just solidifying whatever they've already got up to 12 years old. The demons want to take the kids. So parents and grandparents, if you're not growing first, if you're not a disciple, if you're not pressing in, how are you going to disciple the kids? You won't. Guess who's going to disciple the kids? The world's going to disciple the kids. And when they're 12 and 13, that's it. And then that just gets stronger and stronger and stronger. Let's not even talk about how difficult it is for an adult who's 35 years old to begin to change their worldview. Difficult. That's why you got to be in the word. That's why you got to saturate your heart and your mind with the word and with the spirit. Demons want to take your marriage if you're married. He's going to do everything he can to divide and conquer. Demons want to take your finances. He wants to make sure that your finances aren't used for the kingdom of God, for the purposes of God, always and only used for worldly pursuits. That's not a kingdom of God mentality when it comes to finances. You'll never be at the place where you want to be financially if you're only using the money for earthly possessions and never, div- never I- investing into a kingdom of God mentality. Right? You'll have a lot of stuff here but you'll forfeit so many rewards when you step into that side of heaven. He wants to take your purpose. God has a purpose for you. 
Demons want to take your purpose. And ultimately, they want to steal your relationship with Christ and keep you from going to heaven and spending eternity with God. Now listen, I know that Habakkuk doesn't say devil or demons about the Chaldeans. They're an enemy of God. They're wicked. They're ruthless. But remember, they have characteristics that demons have. Listen to the warning that Jesus gave about demons in Matthew chapter 12, verses 43 through 45. Jesus is speaking. He says, when an unclean spirit, that's a demonic spirit, goes out of a man, he goes through dry places, the demon, seeking rest and finds none. Then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept, and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. So shall it also be with this wicked generation. Now, in this context, the people that Jesus was speaking to were willing to make temporary or limited adjustments to their lives, enough to get swept and put in order or to at least appear like they were. But nothing of any substance of God began to fill their lives. They didn't fill their lives with the Spirit. They didn't fill their lives with the truth of the Word of God. And when that happens, demons will come back and they'll try to find a foothold or an opportunity to tempt, to harass a person's life and keep them in bondage, enslaved to sin or past hurts or something that limits their freedom or put them back into the bondage that they got set free from. And if that happens, and when that happens, many times it's worse than it was before. So demons speaks about the uh, demons speak loud and clear in here, and it's true. They they're seeking to steal and to take up residence in people's lives. And if you're a Christian, you got to know you've already been set free. There's no legal right that demons have to your life, except for the opportunities or except for the entryways that you and I might give him at times. And that's why we want to talk about the fact that we need to beware of demons. Now, I've shared some things with you in the past. I wasn't raised in church. I had no Bible knowledge. I didn't know anything about Jesus. I didn't know anything about God. I was very ungodly, very immoral. I wasn't raised in a Christian home. Drugs, booze, and babes. That's it. 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. That was my life. And I'll tell you what, listen, uh, I look back and I realize that wasn't normal. It just wasn't normal. It might be normal in the world culture we live in, but it's not normal for a person to be driven like that and to live that kind of a lifestyle. Listen, even after I got saved, everything didn't just fall off. Even though the Bible says, if you believe in Jesus, you're free. Positionally, you are in the spirit. But there's still all kinds of demonic yokes on my life. And many of them I would be just so ashamed to share with you. And then even after I got married, it didn't just all go away. And the first few years of our marriage were tough. It was tough. 
my sister went to her house before we got married and said, you got to know my brother's a rotten guy. You got to know we're friends. I don't want our relationship to be affected by you marrying him. He's a this, that, and that. You know that? You realize that? I was a new Christian, but I had stuff on me. And the fight is real. And demons going to do everything they can to steal your relationship with God and to keep people enslaved to stuff that will keep them from living at the level of freedom that Christ paid for you to live at. So let me ask you a question. Is your life thief proof? Are you doing what Ephesians 6, 10, and 11 says? Notice it says a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. So if you're not putting on the armor of God, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, your, your, your shoes prepped in the gospel of peace, and so on and so forth. And if you're not taking up the shield of faith, you're not going to be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. You won't be able to stand firm. Amen? God wants us to stand firm. So you got to know, demons are thieves. Second, we need to be aware of demons because demons are vicious. Vicious. What does vicious mean? Vicious is deliberately cruel or violent. Demons are deliberately cruel or violent. Let's go back to Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 7 through 9. Remember, we're reading about the Chaldeans, this enemy of God. It says Chaldeans are terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity proceed from themselves. Their horses also are swifter than leopards, notice, and more fierce than evening wolves. Their chargers charge ahead. Their cavalry comes from afar. They fly as the eagle that hastens to eat. They all come for violence. Their faces are set like the east wind. They gather captives like sand. Notice verse 8. They're more fierce than evening wolves. The Bible speaks a lot about wolves. And never in a good way. Never in a good light. They're symbolic of evil. They're symbolic of uh, treachery. They're really symbolic of the kingdom of darkness, the devil, and demons. Notice Acts chapter 20, verse 29. Paul's speaking to some leaders in the church. And he says, For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And Paul wasn't talking about literal wolves. He was talking about false teachers and false leaders that were being driven and instigated by demonic spirits. By evil spirits. And vicious wolves are looking to devour God's people, the sheep. And it's so important that we recognize that demonic spirits are vicious. They're cruel. There's no bit of mercy. 
They only seek to kill and to steal and destroy every single time. I found a short video clip. It's only two minutes and 15 seconds. I want to show it to you because it's a little bit about the tactics of wolves uh, from National Geographic, I think. Can we play that nice and loud so that we can watch it real quick? We're here in Yellowstone National Park to follow some gray wolves and observe the deadly brilliance of the pack. They've learned to cooperate, hunting their prey with many acting as one pack. This mother grizzly knows how to protect its cub and itself. Stand your ground. Don't be intimidated. Don't let the gray wolves run you down. Grizzly mom stands up to the gray wolves. And eventually, they lose interest. Stand up. Hold your ground. Wolves know that large prey can be dangerous if they fight back. What the wolves want is to get their prey on the run. Like, for example, this herd of elk. Now the wolves can fan out over the herd, waiting for an old, or sick, or just unlucky elk to make a wrong move. The alpha male leads the hunt. He bides his time directing his troops. And eventually, one elk stumbles. The hungry wolves quickly surround the faltering victim. They swarm in for the kill. And then, the meal. Well, when I watched that, I thought that's so much like the kingdom of darkness, the devil and demons. First Peter 5.8 comes to your mind. Be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, he goes about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. I like what he said, though. Wolves know that large prey can be dangerous if they fight back. Come on, amen. Anybody want to identify with a large prey who's dangerous because we're fighting back, amen? We're standing firm on the word of God. We're going deeper. We're not shallowing out. We're going wider. We're making a decision to know the truth. The more that we know the truth, the more that we experience the truth, we are free, amen? That's the truth of the scriptures. But we got to understand that demons are vicious. So God wants us to beware of demons because they're vicious. This is why it's so important that I started by encouraging us today. Listen, jump in a connect group. Get in the middle of the pack. Don't stay out on the fringe where you can be targeted and maybe like an easy prey. Look at what Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 say. Catherine made a, a mention of it this morning out of the Amplified Classic Version. He says, and let us consider and give attention, continuous care to watching over myself. Is that what it says? 
No. One another. Studying how we may stir up, stimulate, and incite to love and helpful deeds and noble activities. Not forsaking or neglecting to assemble by myself. Is that what it says? No, together. Together. As believers, as is the habit of some people. So he's saying, even back then, some believers had a habit of doing life with God by themselves and not gathering for whatever reason. It wasn't valuable. It wasn't important. They didn't cut out the time. They didn't want to get there. But it was happening back then. And then he says, don't be like some people. But he says, but on the other hand, admonishing, warning. There's that word, warning, urging, and encouraging myself. No, one another. One another. And all the more faithfully as you see the day approaching. What's the day? Well, most scholars would agree that the day is the Lord's return. But we could also say the day that we stand before the judge. Every single one of us is going to pass from this life to the next. Amen. One day there'll be no more earthly days like we know them. That'll be it. So this is saying, listen, while you're living your life, make every effort to gather with the body of Christ, to encourage one another, to strengthen one another. Uh, don't be on the fringe. Get in the middle. If I was a sheep, man, I'd be making my way to the middle of the pack. I don't want to be out there on the fringe. Right? Why? Because we have an enemy. He's looking for people on the fringe. He's looking for people that are shallow. He's looking for people that are easy pickings. Amen. So demons are vicious. And that's, that's exactly what they want to do. They want to divide and conquer. They want to take God's people out. Third, real simple. Third reason it's necessary to beware of demons. Demons are cunning. Demons are cunning. Cunning means having or showing skill in achieving one's ends by deceit or evasion. Psalm 83.3, speaking of God's enemies and the enemies of God's people. They, God's enemies, have taken crafty counsel against your people and consulted together against your sheltered ones. 2 Corinthians 11. Uh, I only have verse 3 on the screen, but I'm going to back up to verse 2. Listen, 2 Corinthians 11, 2 and 3. Paul's writing to the church. He says, For I am jealous for you with the jealousy of God Himself. I promised you as a pure bride to one husband, Christ. So he has a heart of a pastor. He has a, a heart of a founder of the church. He has, a, he has a heart of a spiritual father. He says, I'm jealous for you. I've connected to you to Christ. You're the bride and he's your husband. But I fear 
lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. So Paul has a concern for the people of God. He's concerned that somehow, some way, the way the serpent, by the way, if you study this out, that's a direct correlation to the devil in Genesis chapter 3, where he approaches Eve. Do you remember the story? And if you know this, you know that the very first thing the devil did to deceive Eve was he got her to question the validity, the authority, and the finality of what God said. That's how it all started. Just begin to question, what did God say? And he began to deceive her. Begin to be cunning and crafty in how he would approach her. You know, in that story, God said, you can eat from every tree of the garden. Except for one. You got six days a week to do what you want to do outside of that one primarily day that we call the Lord's Day. And that's when I want everybody to come together and gather. You got six days. You got 24 hours in the day. I'm giving those to you. But I'm asking you to invest some of those hours with me. How many hours am I spending or investing with God throughout the week after I leave here? Even at 30 minutes a day, that's out of five days, that's two and a half hours. That's not that much out of all those hours. I don't know how many hours that is out of five days, 25, 50, 75, 125 or so. Two and a half hours invested in the word, in the spirit, praying, personal, devotional time, right? Minimum. Minimum. Pastor Robert, is that necessary to go to heaven? No. It's necessary to experience some of heaven on earth. It's necessary to be victorious. It's necessary to live in power. It's necessary to live a faith-filled life. It's necessary if we want to be strong and stand against the tactics of the enemy. It's necessary if we don't want to be deceived. It's necessary if we want to beware of our enemy so that we don't get taken out. That word craftiness means to deceive out of something. That's what he's after. Hear my heart, church. I love you. I don't want to be a pastor who doesn't share the truth. I don't want to be a pastor who's only sharing messages that will always make you feel good and and taste like banana cream pie going down. I like banana cream pie. But sometimes we need some filet mignon. Amen. Sometimes we need to work those teeth a little bit longer and chew on some things and and take a little bit more to digest it and let it get down on the inside of us because we need that nourishment so that we can be the people that God wants us to be. He doesn't want us to be deceived by the craftiness and and the way that the enemy walks around very cunningly and trying to do people out of the freedom that already belongs to them. Let me just say that if I hadn't said that already. You are already free in Jesus. Amen. And now we're just solidifying that freedom. 
by knowing the truth. Jesus said it. John 8, 36. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Right? Listen. Why does God want us to beware of demons? It's not to scare us. It's to prepare us. Amen. Have you been blessed by the word today? Come on. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.